everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, and today we're going to go a little woo-woo. I promised you a month of exploring some different healing modalities, and today we're talking with Lois Smith, and she is a healer. She's a medium. She's certified in all kinds of great things, and we're going to talk to her about that. Hi, Lois. Hi, Connie. It's so great to have you here in the studio. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. We tried by Skype, but uh, the spirits that be (laughs) wanted you here in my presence. So I am graced with your beautiful presence. So thank you. As am I. So you work in this beautiful space that you affectionately call the cottage. I've been there. I've done your workshops and I've worked with you on some healing sessions. And when you step foot in the cottage, it's like a peaceful oasis of just, just goodness. Like there's, you just feel so safe and just, it's a space of healing. It feels so sacred. I just love the cottage. How did you come up with that idea? Well, I'd worked for many years in a, in a office in my home And as my practice began to grow, I started to think outside the box and think, you know, I really want my own space separate from all the activity that goes on in the house, the normal activity, the making dinner and the answering the phones. And I had worked at some local healing uh, wellness centers. And then um, I just kept looking in the back of our property where this garden shed was. And I thought, and the garden shed looked like the house with siding and windows. And I thought, you know, I could tear that down, expand the foundation, and create my own English cottage. It is an English cottage, isn't it? Yes, in the back of our property. So I think once I had the idea and I gave myself permission to follow it, it just took on a life of its own. Yeah, and that's a picture of the cottage, by the way, right at the on the podcast landing page at Happy Healthy You on my website. So take a look at it. It is it is just an oasis of tranquility, as I said. So Lois, we're going to talk today about some of the healing modalities that you are so well versed in. And uh, but first, I'd like to talk about your life as a medium, because you are a medium. Can you talk about how you first came into your your spiritual gifts? Well, it's kind of funny, Connie. Thanks for asking me. It's kind of funny because I denied it for as long as I could. I really didn't want to be one of those people, uh, quote unquote. Um, A lot of it grew out of my own healing work that I did on myself. And I could always see my family members who were in spirit. They would come to me while I was meditating. But to be honest with you, I just kept thinking I was making it up to comfort myself in my grief. And my friends would say, well, you're a medium. And I'd say, no, I'm not, because my perception of mediums was that I would walk down the street and see people, deceased people come up to me. Like the movie um, with Bruce Willis. What is it? I See Dead People. Yes. What's that movie called? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be kind of frightening if if you had that gift, I think. Exactly. (laughs) Some uh, people do. Some people do. Some people have the gift of helping earthbound spirits. Mm. And they actually do 
what's called rescue circles, where they'll sit in a circle for the purpose of uh, shining the light, the light mm -hmm. of God, the light of love, um, as bright as they can in order to help those that are somewhat stuck cross over. And it's so interesting because in 2006, when the announcement was made that a one-time only across the board early out was possible for everyone that worked in the federal government, um, because of what was going on in the country at the time, they needed to uh, help the budget. From the moment I put in my notice that I was going to take early out retirement, it was in uh, April of 2006, within two weeks, I started seeing all my family members and friends, their relatives started to come to me while I was meditating. And I resisted it for the longest time. And finally, I gave in one day and I started writing messages. And I would hand them to people. And I didn't know what outcome would be worse, that they would say, no, I'm crazy, this makes no sense, or that it made perfect sense. And with each message I gave, the feedback I got was, I received was just beautiful. And I started to see that something was happening, that spirit was in charge of it, not me, and that the messages I was bringing through were bringing comfort to people and making a difference. And I've been doing it ever since. And I should say that everything you do, you come from the highest levels of love. So it's all about healing, right? Yes, it is. So how have you worked to develop this gift? I know you've worked with some really uh, well-known I have. People, yeah. um, I absolutely love James von Prague. I love him because uh, he was his was one of the first books I started to read, Talking to Heaven, and I really resonated with his spirituality matched mm -hmm. mine, and his connection to spirit matched mine. So I've taken his basic mediumship workshops. I've gone and sat with him for a week with 100 other mediums. I actually stood up and gave a platform reading in front of 100 people standing next to James von Prague. Ooh, baby. Uh, with, uh, with having my work validated, and it was just an amazing experience. And, of course, James comes from love. And that's what I strive to do. I strive to bring a high degree of integrity because mediums exist. Let me say it this way. Mediums exist to bring through evidence of life after death. Mm -hmm. But also, when you come from a place of love and from a place of high integrity, you want to bring through messages. I want to bring through messages that are going to make a difference in people's lives for having received them. Can yeah. I share with you one of those? Yeah. Oh, sure. wonderful. Of course. I have the family's permission to, to share this. And, and actually, um, of course, I won't say any of their names. But a few months ago, I had a young woman come to see me for a, for a reading because her sister had gifted it to her. And towards the end of the reading, her paternal grandmother came through. So it was her dad. Her dad's still living. Her dad's mom came and the mom said would you please get a message to my son she said while I was living I made my son feel like nothing he did was ever good enough for me and that I rejected everything he tried to do or any gift he tried to give me so while the grandmother's saying this, and of course I've already brought through a physical description of the grandmother, how she died, when she died. So we knew for sure I was talking to the grandmother. But as I'm talking about, nothing was ever good enough. 
as far as her relationship with her son, the woman is shaking her head, yes, that's true. And then the woman says this, when I died and went to the other side, there were literally hundreds of gifts waiting for me. And when I asked what they were, I was told that they were every nice thing my son ever did for me that I never received. And it took me a long time to open and embrace every gift. And I'm here to say, not only give my son a thousand thank yous, but to also ask him if he would please forgive me for having such a closed heart and always making him feel like he wasn't enough. And that message just blew me away. And I have shared that. Uh, I shared it with the family's permission on social media and immediately had people post, oh my gosh, I need to call my children. I know, it gives me the chills and I feel like, oh, I got to call my son. (laughs) (laughs) Although yesterday I did do that, I should say. I I texted him because he gave me this scarf and he's in college, so he doesn't have a lot of money. So he gave me this scarf and I've been wearing it every day and I got the message. I should text him and thank him. So I did. And he said he was glad that I liked it. So how beautiful. Yeah. So that's a really valuable and healing message. That gives me the chills. So does James von Prague have uh, the bluest eyes? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He's so cute. Oh, my gosh. And he's so funny. He's a hoot. And he always gives us permission to be ourselves, that we don't have to be anybody other than ourselves, and that we're enough. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine as a medium, as you're developing your confidence, that um, that would be quite a journey, like just trying to develop your confidence. Like you said, you didn't want people to think you were a weirdo or whatever, and you handed them these messages. Like, does it just grow? Absolutely. Let's talk about how you use your mediumship in your energy healing, first of all. So you, you are trained in Amadeus. Yes, and you're also a Reiki master. Yes. Um, and you're one of the only five certified teachers in North America for Amadeus. That's wow. correct. That's crazy. So talk about your healing work and when someone comes to the cottage, how you sort of incorporate all your gifts into your healing. First of all, what is energy healing? Oh, what a great question. Sometimes, Connie, just light, too much life happens to us. And When that happens, we can get stuck. So we can get stuck in fear. We can get stuck in sadness or anger or feeling stressed or chaotic or overwhelmed. And everybody can usually understand or resonate with sometimes uh, just too much is going on in our lives. And energy healing is a beautiful way to release what we've been holding, to release old, stuck energy. And when we do that, then new energy is able to flow into us. I really, I get this, Lois, because I I have always intuitively felt that when we, when we heal on an energetic level first, before, before, like something, something comes in, we get that little intuition, a little twinge. um, And if we don't listen to it, don't work so hard. Say we get the intuition, stop working so hard. We, if we don't listen to that, then the um, imbalance, energy imbalance, yes. would you say, yes. goes, seeps into our uh, 
uh, emotional body, our mental body, and finally our physical body and creates dis-ease, disease. So if we can heal energetically first, does not make so much more sense? If we can it just... absolutely does. And oftentimes people will come in with a physical imbalance. And what a good energy healer will do will trace that back to what what thoughts caused it and what spiritual condition caused it. And if you can unlock it and release it from the spiritual, then it helps change the emotional mental aspect of it, helps change the thoughts, whether the thought is, I'm not good enough, I'm, I have to work, 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 or um, I don't deserve love, I don't deserve rest, whatever those thoughts are that are is creating the imbalance, then the physical can can be released and come back into harmony with itself. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. Um, so as an energy healer, you you use your your skills as a Reiki practitioner, as an Amadeus practitioner and teacher, and you also use your mediumship skills to work with these clients. Wow, they're really getting kind of a double whammy when they come to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so you use your gifts of intuition to sort of hone in on what the issues might be and suggest that. How does that work? And that's what's so fascinating and so fascinating about energy healing is that when you open up a session, you never know where it's going to go or what you're going to find. So when I think about using my mediumship gifts in energy healing, don't look at it like um, we're connecting to the deceased. Right. Look at it from a place of, I help the person call home. I help the person call home to that place of unconditional love, belonging, oneness, where they came from to view their life from a spiritual perspective. You know, when someone comes and gets on my table, I am not connected to their human story. Oftentimes, we hold sadness, we hold anger, we hold stress, we hold negative beliefs because we have a story attached to it. And because I don't have that story, I can view it just as, okay, that's the energy of grief. What does that need? And oftentimes, it just needs a witness or to be validated, to say, I see you, I hear your hurt. And when we and embrace that in unconditional love, then anything that wants to shift back into balance and harmony does so with gentleness and ease and grace. What is the difference between curing an illness and healing on a... Uh on a body-mind-spirit level? That's a great question. When we think about, and I'm going to refer to Beth Cosmos, who uh, just recently published a book on Amadeus, which is really helping finally Amadeus get on the map. She wrote Amadeus Healing with the Sacred Energy of the Universe. She refers to curing as an awareness or a focus on eliminating symptoms in the body. Whereas healing, true healing, means self-examination and emotional release. It's where you bring your issues into sharper focus, bring into sharper focus whatever situation is creating the distress in your life, not as a hopeless victim, but rather as an empowered 
participant. And that's what I love about Amadeus. Amadeus is a way, uh, well, it's many things. But first and foremost, it's as if you're filling up your spiritual toolbox with all these sacred symbols. And each symbol brings in a different empowerment to situations going on in your life. Oftentimes people will say to me, I want to be more spiritual. I want to connect with more spirituality in my life. Amadeus is a wonderful way of doing that. If you can formulate a question about your life, Amadeus can help you bring that information. Can you give us an example of... Um... Absolutely. There's a, there's a symbol in Amadeus for repeating patterns. And I think all of us can resonate with repeating patterns. For instance, a common repeating pattern is picking someone who is emotionally unavailable in your life. Whether it be a boss that doesn't value you or value your gifts or what you bring to the company, or a friend that is more a taker, and there isn't um, reciprocity. There isn't, yes, yeah. a giving and receiving in the relationship. They more take more. Um, the problem with repeating patterns is once we become aware of them, we tend to be very critical and judgmental of ourselves for having them. We tend to say, why do I keep doing this? And who can I blame for it? <laughs> why, yes. yes. <laughs> why do I keep dating the same guy even though it's not working out? Or why do I keep eating the same foods even though they're not healthy for me? And the repeating pattern in Amadeus takes us back to where the pattern was first put in place mm. so that we can begin to, and when we often, when we see that, then we can begin to have compassion for ourselves. And then we use the vibration of unconditional love to bring healing to the core issue so that we can break and help heal the repeating pattern. So it takes us along this journey of first finding the pattern tracing it back to its core so that we can have compassion for ourselves and then bringing healing to the core issue. It sounds a little bit like psychotherapy. Is, is there a, a, um, a similarity there or is it all energy work? I mean, I think just about every modality of healing has threads of it throughout it. Hmm. So I'm very familiar with psychotherapy. So the way I perceive Amadeus and what it has to offer is through the lens of psychotherapy and how it helps to heal uh, patterns. Interesting. Now, you mentioned that Amadeus is um, it's an attunement or re you receive symbols. Where did Amadeus come from and how did you train for it? The title Amadeus was given by a man named Alberto Aguas back in the 70s and 80s. Alberto was a, uh, was a Brazilian native. He traveled the world uh, doing healing sessions. He was an amazing healer. And in the 70s, he went home. He lived in the United States for uh, quite a few decades. And he went home to visit his mother, and while he was back in Brazil, a friend took him deep into the Amazon to meet a tribe of Indians called the Guarni. The Guarni Indians are actually depicted in the movie The Mission with Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. They're one of the oldest indigenous cultures 
in the world. Uh, their tribe is over 6,000 years old, and people will come from all over Brazil to stay with the Guarani for 21 days while the shamans did healing work on them. And it was always a profound experience to be with the Guarani. Of course, living in Brazil is one thing. Not everyone can just walk into a tribe of indigenous people living in the Amazon. Right, right. But they recognized Alberto as a man of great love, and they embraced him. And over the years, they gifted him with the way they heal. So in turn, Alberto became their advocate for them. He spoke out against the government. He was an activist for the Guarani because the Guarani, their land was being encroached on. And the Guarani would give away everything they had. In, in exchange, all they wanted was the land because the earth is, is very important to them. So unfortunately, um, each time, well, let me say many times, Alberta would come out of the Amazon and the authorities would arrest him. And in one of the times... Um, he got tuberculosis in the damp prisons of Brazil, and um, uh, he died in the early nineties. Oh. And my dear, dear friend, who's from Michigan, Elizabeth Cosmos, uh, took over Alberto's life's work. It's actually a um, two-year process to become an Amadeus instructor, and you have to sit in on many, many classes. You have to um, be working with the energy for a number of years, uh, write many reports on the energy and how it's healing, helping practitioner in their own personal life heal, and then um, certainly spend time with uh, Beth in Michigan. Uh, you also have to do a little bit of life story writing mm -hmm. and how you've healed and the issues that you've worked on. And... Um, so it's quite a arduous, I would say, two-year process to become an instructor, much different than the weekend workshops we're used to right, with right. some of the other modalities that uh, are, are beautiful in and of themselves. But it's quite a process to become an Amadeus instructor. And I have to tell you, I was a Reiki master when I found Amadeus in 2005, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with the Guarni. I fell in love with a modality that connects us with the vibration of unconditional love. You know, ever since I was in my 20s, you hear love is the answer to everything. Right. God is love. Even the Beatles taught, taught us all you need is love. And I used to think and I used to say to myself all the time, if all the love I'm looking for is inside of me, then how come I'm not flowing with it? How come I'm not feeling it and connecting to it on a daily basis? And it was Amadeus in 2005 that answered that question for me. Wow. And it did it in a way that empowered me. Because if the love is inside of me, then where is it? And what I learned through Amadeus, through working with the symbols, through asking the questions, through becoming an empowered participant in my life, I started to realize that it was inside of me. It was just covered up in my heart center with all the life experiences that, I, that had happened to me. And that if I was willing and brave enough and courageous enough to allow myself to be vulnerable, to journey through all those experiences with the, with the intention of healing and releasing them,
no matter what the story was that was attached to each one of them, then I would eventually find that place of love. And that's what happened to me. And now I am so excited about sharing that journey with other people. And you're one of five instructors in the U.S., so wow, that's not, that's not very many. <laughs> no, but I'm hoping that um, more people will uh, fall in love with it like I have mm-hmm. and see the uh, power in it and do what it takes because the message really, uh, it's an important message to share. I want to talk a little bit more about the differences between um, the different healing modal energy healing modalities like Amadeus, Reiki, therapeutic touch, but... I just want to say before we move on to that, you're the second person I've interviewed in a row. <laughs> My last podcast interview used that same term, courage, in describing the healing journey. And he said that, you know, if we look at our, um, you know, like the uh, the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about, if, if we look at our healing in that way, as it is sort of a, a hero's journey, then um, it kind of changes the dynamic of healing, in in my mind anyway. Um, yeah, having courage. Who you, you don't go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't say, have the courage to heal. <laughs> but exactly. I love, I just love hearing that because it does require a certain amount of courage to explore the roots of our dis-ease. You're absolutely right. And really, really what we're talking about is the courage to be vulnerable. We have to be so hard and so brave and we learn to hold on and make it through and push through that we, I think we have forgotten how to be vulnerable. And there is a, when we talk about healing, we talk about a leaning into instead of trying to run from. There's so much in the world that we can escape into. And with healing, we try to just for little bits at a time Take that courageous vulnerability and lean into those things that that have happened to us. I love that. And when you come to the cottage, the safety and the the security is all there. So I guess I guess your clients really do get the opportunity to um, be vulnerable and open open their hearts. It certainly supports them in doing that. Yes. And people often say, I I had no intention of sharing just what I just shared. Uh, but it's always in a safe and sacred place. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the differences in these modalities. If somebody is interested in looking for um, a particular energy modality, there is Reiki. We know Reiki. I'm a Reiki practitioner as well. Um, And that's a certain type of energy work. And then there's therapeutic touch. And there's Amadeus. How do these how do these uh, compare and contrast? You know, Connie, since the beginning of time, when something hurts on our body, our first instinct is to put our hand over it or touch it. Oh yeah. yeah. So so from time from the beginning of time, we have wanted to we have known that when something hurts and we touch it, it feels better, and that's true when when we hurt physically or when a friend is sharing an emotional hurt oftentimes the first thing we want to do is reach over and just put our hand on them. Because there's something about saying you're not alone in this that is uh, very healing in and of itself. So I think each modality uses the touch factor while the practitioner is holding a certain vibration. 
And what does that mean, holding the vibration? It means that the practitioner has learned to, the best I can say is, our bodies, I look at our bodies as musical instruments. So a healing practitioner, depending on what modality they use, they have attuned their body, body, mind, and spirit to tune into or hold a frequency, or you could say tune into a specific radio station. And it, that radio station is a little different with each modality. Hmm. And when the practitioner holds that place or becomes that space of whether it's unconditional love or the energy of Reiki, it's all universal source energy. You know, nobody has a copyright on God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody has a copyright on love. So it's, it's coming into that space so that you can help another bring about healing. And how does a practitioner do do that? They tune into whatever modality they're following, but at the same time, it depends on, and I believe their success depends on how much of their own issues they've been able to heal and work through. Mm. The more healing I've brought about in my own life, the more effective I am with other people. If someone comes to me and they are struggling with being too hard on themselves and I have not dealt with that issue, I I am going to be not that effective for them. Right. That makes so much sense. It's like the 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 woman bringing her child to the to the guru in India and saying, "Tell my child to stop eating sugar." And the guru says, "Come back in 2 weeks." And the woman goes away and comes back with her child in two weeks, and the guru says, stop eating sugar. And the woman says, how come you couldn't just tell me that two weeks ago? And he says, I had to stop eating sugar. Ah, The words would have no effect without um, him being able to tune into that radio station. Interesting. Interesting. So. Yeah, that's that's a really good story for all of us healers out there. So so let's just talk about specifically what happens. Reiki is it can be hands on or hands off, and it works in the energy field along the lines of the chakras. Correct. Yes. I'm speaking from my own experience. Yes. Therapeutic touch is an actual physical touch. Correct. Yes. I, I, yeah. And yes. then Amadeus, are you hands on, hands off? Is it? Is it purely energetic? Absolutely hands-on. But I want, I want you to look at Amadeus as in two different ways. There's an energy healing session that the person can give themselves or come to an Amadeus practitioner and lay on the table where that practitioner is holding the vibration of unconditional love. Then there's the aspect of Amadeus that contains about 20 symbols that the individual through meditation and through working with themselves begins to find answers to the to questions that they have in their lives. So there's a symbol for going on a vision quest. Let's say you're a mother or you're a teacher in school or you're a nurse and you would like to have a vision for the work that you're doing in your life today, there's a symbol for that, to let me see my work from a spiritual perspective. So that, that would be a vision quest. So does the practitioner give you that symbol? Do you meditate on the symbol? How does that work? The practitioner, your toolbox is filled up during an Amadeus class, which happens over two separate weekends. You're attuned to the energy. 
Alberto was attuned by the Guarni Indians on the bank, banks of the Amazon by holding a rose quartz and an amethyst crystal. And I have a set of rose quartz and amethyst crystals that are surrogates or have been attuned to those very crystals that, I'm a, that Alberto held. And we go through a ceremony or an initiation to help the individual tune into the vibration of unconditional love. Okay. And really, an initiation is a honoring that you're stepping onto a new path, that you're opening to new perspectives, to new views. And that's what the Guarni were all about. The Guarni viewed their lives from a spiritual perspective. It's pretty cool, though, that, you know, you think about this crazy world that we live in, 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 in the Western Hemisphere anyway, and for someone of Western uh, upbringing to step into a culture, an indigenous culture like that, isn't that sort of the vision quest that we all want to go on? That, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The Guarani, there's no hierarchy in the Guarani. So you can have a small child or the oldest elder. And they all have great value because they view one another as souls. They don't view one another from the human as being in their human body. The only hierarchy in the Guarani is how many, they're called word souls, they have gathered. And what they mean by that, a word soul is a song that comes to the Guarani in their dreams. And when a member of the Guarani tribe has received a word soul, then it's a song, then when they gather that night, and they gather every single night when their day's work is done, they gather in the healing hut and they sing songs together. And the songs are for the purpose of building that bridge back to source, back where they came from. So whoever received the last song, they sing the song until, and it could take hours and go into the wee, wee hours of the night, until their conscious contact, we say in 12-step language, or until that bridge is built back to source and they are in the place of absolute oneness. And we can say oneness or love or pure energy. It's all the same thing. So for the Guarni, that's their only hierarchy are these word souls. And they teach their children that their home, there is no, they're in their home, which is wooden huts built on the ground, or they're outside their home. The whole forest is their home. And they are at one with the vegetation, the rivers, the wildlife, the earth beneath their feet. Yeah. Uh, so we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn from them and the way they live. Yeah. Can you give us that book again? The, the... Um, it's by Elizabeth Cosmos. That's actually her real name, a <laughs> PhD. Um, she actually studied. Uh, most of her life's work has been studying indigenous cultures. So think it not strange that at this point in her life, she has uh, now is holding the sacred work for the Guarni and for Alberto. And it's simply called Amadeus, which is Latin for to love God. Healing with the Sacred Energy of the Universe. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to look for that one. Lois Ann Smith, if anyone wants to work with you, either by phone or Skype or in person, how can they get in touch with you? 
Well, they can go to my website. My website has all the information. It, it's LoisAnn with an E, Smith.com, or they can just give me a call. I'd love to hear from people. And all that information is on your website. It is. Thank you, Lois Ann. I didn't know anything about Amadeus. Now I feel like I'm I'm so much more interested and intrigued, and I want to read the book and Wonderful. come see you again at the beautiful cottage. And if you guys live in the Maryland area, do give Lois a call. And she has a special, for new clients, she has a special tea, cup, tea, of, tea. cup of tea where you can go and sit in the cottage, right, and have a yes. cup of tea and just kind of and talk. And just chat, just like chat. a meet and greet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. All right, Lois, go on your way. Go heal the world. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're Thank beautiful. You, so are you. <laughs>